0: Welcome to OnScripts Biblical World, a podcast exploring the history, archaeology, geography, and cultures of the Bible. Visit us at onscriptstudy world.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Biblical World podcast. This is Matt Lynch coming to you from Regent College in Vancouver. We're taking a break over much of the summer, but we've got a new episode for you here that I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, Host Oliver Hersey is going to speak with his predecessor in the job he now has at Jerusalem University College as president there. Uh, He's going to be speaking with Dr. Paul Wright, uh, who was the previous president of Jerusalem University College, where I went back in 1999, so it's cool to hear both of them talking together about the land of the Bible. And uh, I also wanted to say, if you would like to support what we're doing here, we would really appreciate any uh, financial support you could give. You can go to onscript.study forward slash donate and find a place that you could give a one-off, just $5 or whatever, um, or support us monthly. We'd really appreciate that. Otherwise, I hope you enjoyed this episode.
0: Good day. Welcome to the Biblical World Podcast. I am your host today, Oliver Hersey. I'm the president of Jerusalem University College and a professor here as well. And I am I'm in a very special place right now uh, on campus on Mount Zion with my predecessor and mentor in many respects, uh, Dr. Paul Wright, who has spent 24 years living in the land, uh, at least uh, in addition to his his own studies earlier than that, uh, leading this school, Jerusalem University College. So it's great to have you, Paul. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm very happy to be here sitting uh, together in our shared office, you might say. It's a with share, you. It's shared a office. Chair, a
0: this is actually the first, I think, I think I might be misspeaking, but I think it's the very first conversation that we have done with a person live in, in, in the same space. Same space. We've we've done a lot of live interviews, but they've been over, you know, Zoom or other technology. So this is kind of fun. This is
2: this it's, exciting. It's eye to eye without a screen between us. I, I like it. Eye I to like eye it. without a screen like between it. us. I like it.
0: So uh, we're glad you're here. I've gotten a, I've had the privilege of spending a month with you. Uh, at least I, I think it's a privilege. <laughs> I hope it's a mutual. <laughs> <laughs> we managed.
2: It's good. We managed. It's good. Uh, you uh you joined it's me good. in jordan fun it, yeah we did
0: we went to jordan on a we cultural did. background field study we did with uh graduate students from the university and then you spent three weeks you just wrapped up a three-week uh field study course with uh with undergrad and, and a little mix grad and undergrad
2: students Well, well some adult students as well it was good, it You're feeling, was good are you feeling nice t-
0: tired or are you feeling okay uh,
2: you know back in the saddle again yeah, back in the yeah, saddle. yeah 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 i wondered if i if i had still had the energy and the the memory to do it, but it, I think it worked. I think I, it was good. I, I think th- so.
0: I think it, I think it went, I went very well. I think, uh, the students, the students learned a lot and I think their brains are full. They have an exam today, but their brains are full.
2: They are. They uh, yeah. are. Hearts are full too.
0: My, my, my heart and brain are also full. I got a chance to tag along on that field study. So it was great. I, I thought about, uh, what we could talk about here. Uh, you are a historical geographer, thoroughly trained, uh, living in the land, covering, you know, you get on the bus and the thing you always say to the bus driver is there isn't a road in Israel that we haven't <laughs> gone on. Uh, uh, so you, you know, this land. I mean, it is, it is a land that you, it, it oozes out of you.
2: Yeah. You feel that? Oh, no, I think so. I say that mostly to help the driver feel good and to help the sure. students feel good. You know how it is. Yeah. Uh, but, although it's true. It's more or less true as well. So when I'm on the bus with
0: you yeah. you literally are a are a, it's like a you know how you have GPS that can talk to you and tell yeah. you which turns to
2: take Yeah I don't like that lady.
0: <laughs> you, you are like an ongoing uh yeah. not a GPS but more like a uh, I don't I don't know you're like a topographical constant flow of information about where we're going what valley we're heading into and I'm amazed I mean it's it's remarkable to be on uh, on a trip so how did you learn all of that just
2: you know, on the field, I I think about this. If we did a, a on-land, a bus trip or, or in a rental car or something in the land, and, and we had certain sites we were going to be going to, planning to go to, and uh, the sites connect in some way with the narrative of the day. Uh, but every time we get in the car or on the bus, we put on blindfolds and earplugs. And then when you get to the next site, take them off. So it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. And I... I it's sort of like when we do a would do um, a a similar trip in a larger area where you fly from site to site, get off the plane, go to the site, get back on the plane and fly again. I've done that uh, in places and it it doesn't work. It has to be land based connected as if we are walking. Yeah. uh, To see the 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 way the places connect, the the idea that a place is in a region and regions touch each other. Uh, and on those scenes, like literary scenes in a text, uh, we pay attention to how the context pulls the one into the next. Nothing that's done in isolation on the land or in the text.
0: I've, and I've been on programs or courses before that are great, uh, but they are different than what JC does in that bus time is class time. And you, it is. you are going to thoroughly ingrain in the mind of the student, both in their mind and their feet the topographical changes they're experiencing in this very
2: diverse land. That's right. It's good. That's it's right. good. It can be a 10 to 12 hour class in the day. And I understand that that's yeah. a bit too much. So we do have downtime as we do it, but, but, but uh, yeah, fair game anytime on the bus is class time yeah. as we go. Yes.
0: So I want to talk about, you know, one of the points in the course that I really just loved. Um, I loved it, so many parts of it, but I thought we, for this, Time. We talk about backgrounds of the Bible, the context of the Bible. So, we want to give our listeners an opportunity just to think and maybe even visualize, because I think you're very good at describing things for us uh, that maybe we can't see. Uh, And I thought maybe the Jezreel Valley would be a great place to think about. It's a loaded region with so much history. But, narrowing in specifically on Jesus and his childhood home being right there over the Nazareth Ridge where he grows up in that little basin, perhaps daily or weekly, seeing from afar or up close the parts of the valley and maybe some of the things that he would have been thinking. So maybe to start, why don't you sketch for those of us who maybe have never been to the Jezreel Valley uh, or or still planning a trip through JUC eventually, (laughs) tell us just some overview aspects of the geography of that region. Describe it for us a little bit. Uh, help us visualize it.
2: Yeah, well, the geography and what it means, actually. Yeah. It is a valley. It's the, the largest one uh, in the land of ancient Israel. Uh, it runs, uh, for the most part, let's say it's an east-west connector. The natural uh, traffic lines are north-south, Egypt, and Mesopotamia, along the coast, and so on. Uh, and, and this bisects that, the valley. Um, it's kind of a down warp and earthquake fault lines put together and, and opens up a pretty wide corridor that's, that's pretty level for its size. The 30-mile uh, run goes up maybe 300 feet total at one spot. Otherwise, it's pretty level. Uh, with nice doorways or gateways, uh, connected valleys, uh, connecting on the one hand to the coast, the natural port at Aco. Uh, modern or uh, New Testament era Ptolemaeus on the one hand, uh, and then on the other hand through the area of Betchan, uh, New Testament era into Transjordan and the, the living space that it has, um, and, and pretty much all of the international routes, the, the big movements, whether they're from Arabia, uh, Africa, Egypt, something coming out of Europe or the Aegean off the Mediterranean or something coming out of the Mesopotamian zone, they're going to be crossing uh, one to the next through this through this area. Look, there are crossings further north in uh, North Syria or North Lebanon, but the, the one that seems to get most of the attention, at least in the texts, uh, is the Jezreel Valley system. Can we call
0: it a like a modern day traffic circle? It's, it, it's like been a called market.
2: a traffic circle. It's been sure. called, an, a, George Adam Smith called it a, an arena with the right exits and entrances and things. Hmm. Um, but I think I think so, yes. So it's going to be busy with the larger powers, certainly. But remember, there are people living here as well that want to make use of the valley for their own uh, economic benefit or, or local trade. So this interaction between the local folk and the bigger empires. Uh, we, we referenced that in classes, cats and mice is not an image that, uh, I came up with. It was one that, uh, my predecessor, Jim Monson used as well, where the larger powers are coming through. Uh, the smaller powers are, um, either hiding up in the hills, their mouse holes to get away. Or when the cats are away, they, they come down into the valley and make use of it. That would be an Ahab for instance.
0: Why would, why would they want this access? Point? Why would they want the so access strategic?
2: point? Uh, partly for the same reason the larger powers do. It provides access point uh, to regions and trade centers and opportunities and control outside of the borders. The line of ports along the Mediterranean or the line of land ports that face the open desert Mm. are things that they want. I think Ahab is a classic example. How he, uh, having married Jezebel, had connections to Phoenicia and what that economic engine would be and having conquered uh, an area south and east of Israel, that is to say, the northern kingdom, uh, east of the Dead Sea, uh, facing the Moabites, he was able to tap into the, those routes as well um, and, and do it quite successfully, actually, on, on that level. So that's number one. What the Jezreel Valley does uh, as well functionally is it separates the hilly land mass of Galilee from the hilly land mass of the heartland of Israel, whether it be Israel proper or, or Judah down in Jerusalem. Um, and it's a moat between the two or a, 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 a place where you can go to get your water and soil and all of this. But, but if, if you're not controlling it, then it separates Galilee yeah. from the rest. And that's, that's really, I think, part of the challenge of the Judean kings or the Israelite kings how to incorporate Galilee into the kingdom uh, in spite of the fact that the Jezreel Valley is a is a pretty busy corridor in between
0: and the valley itself is a very fertile valley yep. with ample rainfall you know north and west gets
2: and the runoff of the hills into it yeah. uh, more than it can handle actually a bit swampy until it's drained so the picture we have of the Jezreel Valley today which is very green and very plowed and very busy and John Deere tractors every place, yep. right? With big machinery, and interspersed, modern, modern, <laughs> modern yeah, yeah, yeah. interspersed even corn. I saw a corn cornfield, yeah, uh, this past week in there. So um, interspersed in it, these big reservoirs of water, which are either being used for irrigation or being used to raise a different commodity fish. Of different kinds, and those that,
0: reservoirs are raising fish. That's
2: today, yes. Yeah, in today, some, yeah. some of them, some of them,
0: yeah. Probably not in ancient times,
2: though. No, no, no. Ancient yeah. times, um, without the modern technology to yeah. to channel the water to drain the valley, which was otherwise the middle of it rather swampy. Would they've been doing
0: canals? Maybe like. Anciently, they
2: did in... I, I, it's more or less a modern phenomenon. Okay. We do know that the Romans were able to move water around mm-hmm. a bit, and and make use of more of the valley than perhaps it was able to be done earlier than that. But with modern technology, we have the valley today, basically the breadbasket of of the modern state of Israel. But anciently, for much of the year, the valley was, the middle of it was too swamped out to do much. So that added dynamic, hard to cross, plus along the edges, the international routes uh, tended to separate Galilee geopolitically from the rest of the land of Israel. The hills of Galilee are, especially upper Galilee, better connected geographically to the north, hmm. more naturally connected to the north. And so we have to ask in the time of the old Testament, in the time of the new Testament, why, why is Galilee? What does it mean for people living in those hills to be politically connected uh, to Jerusalem or to uh, Ahab's capital, Sebaste, hmm. What does that mean? Uh, and that's a big question. It's a big question. It carries a lot of emotive weight, and even theological weight uh, today. But but to help understand the weight behind that, it, it doesn't hurt to look at the sort of the geopolitical dynamic prior to that. And 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 you mentioned yes, we have a lot of events that we can. Read about yeah. in, in the Bible that are preserved for us in the Bible of events heroic by leaders of various kinds in ancient Israel, whether they be kings, judges or prophets there that help to energize the, the story.
0: So, so let's put ourselves in Jesus's neighborhood for a minute. Sure. You know, he his family moves up to Nazareth, which is right there, just kind of tucked away a little bit out of view from the Jezreel, but not far. I mean, you can see parts of it. You can get up on the ridge and you see. You can it get on the ridge, the ridge. What, yeah. how familiar do you think Jesus, as a Jewish boy growing up in this neighborhood, would have been, how familiar would he have been with these stories? That we know of from the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, how familiar is Jesus?
2: With those. Yeah. Being a in boy growing up just in galilee yeah from this very international zone within sight of the heartland of israel across it
0: yeah and i know i'm asking you to kind of speculate a little bit here i mean you know we can never know right we don't know what jesus was thinking but in your imagination as you think about perhaps you know do you think he's familiar i mean he's he's a jewish boy growing up in
2: no i think so yeah you think so i think so i think so i think so i Look, the entire question is one that actually bridges Hebrew Bible and New Testament. It, sure. It's a way of it's a way of connecting the two, and and asking what might Jesus have been aware of uh, raises the question: Why was he there to begin with, in terms of living space, and what might his neighbors as well have have been thinking about, in terms of their own uh, Israelite Jewish. Israelite memory. past and memory. Yeah. And what does that mean for them? And in a part of the world where memory is a very deep part of identity and identity is tied to place, it's a valid question. I think anyone looking at Jesus seriously in terms of in terms of what he thought should be asking the question. So let's let's so let's of, do it.
0: Let's let's. Yeah. So you have the Nazareth Bridge in, yep. the, in the northern part. The northeastern kind of quadrant of the Jezreel Valley exactly a really high Ridge that begins exactly several east west oriented ridges that continue to climb up into the the Lebanon and anti-lebanon exactly exactly Jesus is there on this first ridge he can yep. climb it we, yep. we stood there earlier this week we were looking out at the right at the t- terrain maybe move us uh, I don't know counterclockwise Let uh, me do that. the valley and and Maybe just highlight some of the key. Let me do that. Figures. We have. and yeah. if you have a map right now and you're listening, uh, you know, maybe you have a Bible. Grab your map right now. If you have been to JUC, uh you could grab your field study guide uh, as well. There's a nice map there. But take a look and see and follow Doctor Wright here as he passes along the region. You know, we're going to go
2: counterclockwise. To go? We can go counterclockwise, counterclockwise. Or, or we can go chronologically. We can go counterclockwise. We can do we'll that. Certainly. Look, so, yeah. So as Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature in yeah. favor with God and man, and he's getting stronger and he's learning things. Um, and as he is considering, I think we have to say as he is considering how, not that he's going to be Messiah, but how he's going to be Messiah—it's mm. a live issue. Yeah, how he's going to do it, and sure, because he's growing, he's yeah. growing Wisdom he's is growing, dangerous. and other people say Messiah has to be this or that, yeah. right? So yeah. he's going—he's learning yeah. this, yep. and he's in a village that allows him to be literate. He reads and speaks. He reads uh, 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 the Book of Isaiah. Yeah. He writes in the in the dirt. So he's he's going to have, uh, I, th- I think, a. Uh, uh, an adequate measure of literacy. And as he considers all of this, it happens to be that just, Nazareth is in a bit of a basin on top of a high ridge. You make a a quick climb, you look down into this arena um, of his own people, of his own past and identity, and it has to affect him. I I think, yes, he, he knows these stories. I think, yes, I think we can assume that. And when he looks into this valley, he sees the entire, area of it, from left to right, from front to back, places where that are mentioned in his Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Places like Mount Carmel and Mount Gilboa and Mount Moray and Megiddo and Mount Tabor, uh, these are all places mentioned in connection with stories that he knows. So, yes, he can place them so on I'm the sta- map. I'm
0: standing on Mount yes. Carmel, and I'm looking out to the right. I'm sorry, I'm yes. standing on the Nazareth Bridge. And you look out to the right. And, and so I you see, see Mount Carmel. Now. Okay, and what does what Jesus maybe remember? You see Mount Carmel,
2: and Mount Carmel shows up uh, prominently in, in prophetic stories, both Elijah and Elisha. Mm-hmm. Um, both of the prophets are there. It's called the Mountain of God, actually, and by by the time of Elijah. Although in the time of Elijah, seems to be more the Mountain of Baal, where the great showdown was between Elijah and the and and uh, the, the Ahab and the prophets, the prophets of Baal. Right, right, and the altar is licked up by fire, and and he then uh, goes to Mount Sinai. After that, in order to Just speak short, to God, yeah, short, short, short run. Yeah. run, but by that other mountain, much bigger and much more prominent in memory. in memory and understanding who God really is and what instruction for life. Yeah, I don't like saying Torah because then we go to law yeah. and then we have all kinds of modern connotations, but Torah means instruction. Yeah. What instruction for life actually is to live in a world that is very compromised by a worldview that is very anti-Yahwistic. And, and how does how does Elijah do that? And how would Jesus do that? So you look at that. Yeah. Yes.
0: So Jesus looks across the valley and he's got this, see, this he's got... strong, stark memory of prophets in action. And we, you know, traditionally the Navi, the prophet in the Hebrew Bible, is this, this mouthpiece, this megaphone of God speaking out correction, speaking out uh the will and desires of the Lord, and so Jesus is seeing that and remembering that and yeah. engaging that.
2: Yeah, as Abraham Heschel said, "God's yeah. megaphone for a sleeping world."
0: There you go. Very much so. <laughs> I like that. Like or is that, that C.S. Lewis?
2: I, I, mean, know. That I don't I know. It, somebody said guys, that. One, one of those guys. guys. One yeah. of those guys. You can cross-check us. You can cross-check check it. exactly. Exactly. It, it's. It's. I love. I love them both. I yeah. love them both. I mean, this professor. Somebody voice, said it somewhere. Somebody said it, and we will <laughs> as well. To to wake up the world yeah. as to what God wants. Yeah much more important than predicting the future. Yeah. Wake up the world now as to what God wants yeah. in my mind. And and uh, as he looks straight ahead, he sees Mount Moray, okay, just on just the a- other side of it, just across it. Elisha, the follower of Elijah, the the, the another prophet,
0: of, yeah, the prophet. Yeah,
2: exactly. He uh, raises a boy to life, the only son of a couple, and brings breath back the breath okay. of life into him. And Jesus, as he's growing up, wow. Uh, as he's an adult, he goes down to Nain, which is a village, uh, New Testament era village, in the same locale on the same mountain, and Literally, basically does just the same. It's on the other side. It's the on mountain. the other side. Yeah. It's it. it Shunem no longer exists. Nain didn't in the which time is where of the New the, Testament. Elisha, heals the, the Elisha heals the boy. Where Elisha heals the boy, and essentially in the same locale, yeah. Jesus does the same thing, and the people say a great prophet has arisen among us. Yeah. You know, and, and in this case, Jesus is embracing the, this role of speaking to the needs of the day, whether they be, be personal or whether they be social, economic, how they are political is a big question, but but he's speaking challenging authorities and speaking to the needs. So clearly that's part of his arena growing up, but it's not all of it.
0: So correct me. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the historical geographer is, is the, the job, our job is to study this, to see, and to make that connection. Right. If we read in isolation, the, the story of Jesus healing the boy at Nain, without recollection, geographically and from memory, historical memory right. of what happened in the past, right. we lose an element of that story—a richness perhaps that bubbles up in Jesus's action
2: and demonstration. I think what we do. I think what we're what we're taught, and we're taught very well and very correctly, is to look for associations in the Bible, thematically or word studies. Or theological connections based on that, and 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 I think to add to that, we also need to look at uh, geographical connections, which were intentional by the author uh, to help key us in. I think to what some of these these associations because are. Jesus is
0: going to say later, I'm healing people on the outside. I'm healing the the Syrophoenician. I'm hearing. I'm healing people who are are not necessarily in the uh, in the proper Judeo. I think so. Areas. I think
2: so, and and the and the geographical statements, the place names, uh, and 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 so on, whether the towns or something else, uh, tell us that they're they're there for a reason, and and we need to look uh, better than look at a map. Come and walk well the land. There's, there's, in this arena, there's other, I mean, there's, we,
0: we have countless stories here of prophets, maybe not countless, but we, several. We have some. Almost we have enough. A dozen. Yeah, we have enough. We have enough. What, what other prophet prophetic stories are happening in this arena in uh, Jesus' backyard? A
2: jo- Jonah is behind him on the other side of the Nazareth mm-hmm, Ridge. Yeah. He's the only other prophet that we know for sure is from Galilee, yeah. Jonah and Jesus. Jonah called by God to speak to people who were very much not Israelite. He didn't want to do it because he was afraid. This is how we normally understand it. That yeah. He was afraid that, that if God then saves Nineveh, Assyria will come, and and wipe out Israel. This is what this is what Tiglath did uh, a generation or so later, and he doesn't want that. He wants the enemies to be, to be knocked down. And Jesus references Jonah sometimes, but also Elisha going to Naaman and. And uh, Elijah going to the widow of Zarephath because these
0: guys were operating right in his his hometown exactly territory yeah down the block behind uh,
2: well you know. around the corner or or the neighbors the neighbors yeah. the kind of unruly neighbors the rough yeah. neighborhood yeah. most Israelites would say but as part of it
0: you know I just was reading a news article in in the Israel Times in the last few weeks they did you know a sperm two sperm whales have washed up on the shores at Jaffa yeah. Uh, In the last uh, last six months, yeah, those are big suckers. And the story of Jonah, you know, I've I've always heard, there's nothing big in the." Well, I have no idea, and who knows? This could all be geoclimate changing things like this, whatever. But it is interesting to see these massive, uh, massive massive ones. Anybody check for like
2: human remains? (laughs) (laughs) Let me take a peek. Let me take a peek inside. (laughs) Yeah, it's not only prophets. You know, there are also kings. Josiah, in particular, at Megiddo, in the arena, that Jesus could see the area of Megiddo, and and Josiah's story, uh, the last great hope that is ancient Israel had as the Northern kingdom has already fallen. And Josiah King in Jerusalem seems to do everything right. You know, focusing on the temple and restoring the religious worship in Jerusalem and uh, the uh, pushing out the borders again, uh, getting the economy and people feeling good like they did under Solomon. Yeah. And he's young. He's young. I think he dies. He's late 30s. So he's young. Um, and and has all of that, everything working for him. He 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 pays attention to the uh, religious leadership. He pays attention to what God wants, says the kingdom could be. Um, and and then he he meets Pharaoh Nico, uh, who's on a campaign to go up and and, uh, and he help Syria he, beat he, Babylon. He thinks it's supposed to be a good meeting. He, he, he thinks, thinks that, I, I I I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think so because he's beckoned up, right? He's beckoned yeah. north to north and and uh, challenges Nico walking through what should be Josiah's doorway critical doorway the Megiddo pass going going north and and he's shot with an arrow he's killed and the the whole feeling of the kingdom just collapses i it's 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 for the audience who is old enough to remember when kennedy was shot i mean the mood of america just just panicked you know the, the great the great young hope is gone yeah. and I'm saying that irrespective of what your own political view of Kennedy might sure. have been it was, a, it was a it was a thing that just shook the country It's a leader who is young who, who is seen as leading us into a new era yeah. and, and and or restoring what America could have been at one time yeah. and again, this is irrespective of, of political views. Sure. Uh, and 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 Josiah was like that and more for for for, for Judah. The best that the kingdom could come up with was not enough. Yeah, was not enough. Yeah. So the uh,
0: tell me a little bit about. There's some other kings that we meet in this region as well, as well as a um, some judges. Right. Go ahead and talk about that.
2: Sure, sure. Uh, Saul as well. Uh, Jesus could have seen the the last battleground of. Saul against against the Philistines, where the Philistines were coming up and trying to take that Jezreel Valley corridor and and uh, take it for themselves and and pretty much gut or bisect the new emerging kingdom of Israel, inherit the uh, Egyptian presence in the land prior that had controlled this area. Uh, and Saul wants to stop it, and you know, many of the tribes had been given land in the Galilee proper north of the Jezreel Valley. And Saul says, no, they belong to us. And he loses his life on the slopes of Mount Gilboa, and the crown prince does as well. And uh, when, the, when the king is gone and the crown prince is killed and your kingdom is split in two, that means you no longer exist. And, and Jesus sees that. The first king, look what happened. Compare it to Josiah, the last great hope. Look what happens. And how in the midst of a land that is currently in Jesus' day overrun by a foreign government politically, right, of course. how do we respond to that? What does that mean for us? And, and, and is there a hope better than what we think we can do in terms of control? Because it didn't work before. And he's, he's also, not only is there this political...
0: A foreign political entity hanging over the area and the terrain. Yeah, he's also, I mean, I mean, he's familiar with some other Joes and Bobbies who've risen up to claim they are the political Messiah. He's living in an age where this in is the first century. Yes, involved yes. a little bit, yes. right? Yeah,
2: yes. no, this is clear. Both Josephus and and, and the New Testament even mention some by name, and it, it they're always politically motivated throw off Rome and it never ends well uh, f- for the Jews it doesn't end well uh, other than it, it maybe the next one will be the right one and maybe the next one
0: and you're thinking and, you know I'm, I'm just thinking about jesus here and again it's it's more you know you, you can imagine a little bit you wonder if part of his hushing and quieting of all of these jewish he doesn't do it in the decapolis you know the, no. the demoniac, he says go tell your whole family and world and uh, same with the Samaritan woman. But when he's in these highly centralized Jewish zones, he's very particular. Don't say anything to anybody. I wonder how much of yeah. it is. I'm still figuring this out. I also know what's happened to the previous messiahs. Let's not get this. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I, I don't know.
2: It, it, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think is is the the option that I like the best like because it it can go it can go south really fast. Um, and, and, uh, Jesus is laying, he's going about the towns and villages going good. Like Elisha and Elijah, that's a line out of the book of Acts. And, and he has a lot to do, uh, before Rome gets wind of him, uh, and, uh, and, and, decides that, that he's a dangerous person here. And
0: it, yeah. So do you think yeah. the stories that we've just kind of, you've you've let, you've walked us through a little bit of Kings and Prophets. Do you think these are informing or perhaps educating or shaping a little bit of Jesus's worldview in terms of the man he needs to grow up to be?
2: I think they're for sure shaping the worldview of people in Nazareth Uh, as a whole. I think for sure. Yeah, I think for sure. Nazareth, a small village. You've got Gideon as well in the valley, who's a small town boy who does something great to throw out the enemy. Maybe that can happen again. You know, Barak the same way. So I, I think for sure they do. They do this. Isaiah calls the region Galilee of the Gentiles, Isaiah 9, one, and, yeah. and and I think that the people living, the Jews who are living in that of the Gentiles land, which still is pretty strongly of the Gentiles. These stories are stories of heroes, even if they weren't successful individually because of an arrow from Nico or something. Yeah. They still point us in the direction. Well, where remembered. God is remembered. I mean, yes. Josiah, like you said, is yes.
0: remembered as this yes. great king. Yes.
2: They point us in a direction of, of what we think God should be doing for us. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. see, that's that's the issue. What God should be doing for us as opposed to us doing for him. And so what we tend to do, and we all do it. We all do it on pretty much every issue. Whatever the things are that I'm facing today, my own life or my people are, let's understand jesus in a way that makes him not 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 makes him my savior but makes him want to fix my issues to make me more the way i think i should be myself yeah we create him in our image and so we make him we make him a revolutionary or a peasant or you make him a an orthodox jew or whatever, whatever. yeah fine christian gentlemen is what he was when I was growing up. Yeah, whatever the the, the well well groomed. Yeah, there was white a thin tie. tie, white coat, white shirt. You know, nice tie, crew cut, and all of yeah. this. Right, okay. and so so we do that rather than say Jesus is growing up in wisdom and stature, favor of God and man in a certain context where he, yes, king, yes, priest, but I think prophetically is speaking to the needs of the people of his day to say there's something bigger than you and there's something bigger than all of this that's happening. And I'm looking for disciples that are going to be able to carry the instruction of God worldwide.
0: Why, why Nazareth? I mean, his parents move him up to Nazareth. Yeah. That's a big loaded question. I know. It's a like, huge
2: question. It's uh, a huge question. I
0: mean, briefly like Nazareth isn't, you know, we've talked about how it's not, it's not an important site. Right. It's a it's backwoods. I mean, what is Nazareth, Nazareth like? For those of us who perhaps have never been here before or studied the nature of Nazareth, maybe me just talk
2: a few minutes about well, Nazareth? Is it's it's a hard question to answer. And on the one hand, you have Matthew saying so he can be called a Nazarene. The problem is it doesn't say that in the Old Testament. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a textual problem. And there must be something bigger than that. In addition to that, whatever that that means. Um, and when you look at Nazareth, it is—it's a—it's a village. I, it's a village, number one. Uh, all of the archaeological data that we have from the first century versus is a, village versus city versus city. city, or even versus a place that is small that has monumental architecture that okay. says there's attention and money given to it or reason given to so it. This is even below that. It's, you, yeah, small, a small, thin, thin-walled houses with cisterns and agricultural terraces. You know, we haven't found remains of a synagogue. Uh, even though they met, it's probably a private home. So so it's, and number one. Uh, and number two, it's in an area of the Galilee that is that is not easily accessible to anybody else. It's it's high on a ridge, the, the main routes go around it rather than to it or through it. There's nothing really up there to draw um, people like a Nathaniel from Cana, which isn't a much better location, draw people up there. And, and uh, even though today Nazareth is a large and productive city, um, compar- I'm speaking, comparatively speaking, in, in, in uh, the time of Jesus, no. Sir- Josephus doesn't mention it. And he was a native Galilean. Yeah. You know, he doesn't mention it. It's not mentioned in any other Roman source. It's not. It's not. So sort of off the literary map as well. And the, even though you can farm, you can be a builder up there. Again, comparatively speaking, the soils are of a lesser quality, the building material a little bit lesser and the amount of water in the spring a little bit less than other places that have strong populations and good economies uh, in the Galilee. So there's, there's not a lot there uh, that would say, hey, this is the, the chosen spot, which, which for me is good and it works theologically. As well. God choosing the weak to shame the strong, which is a common theme, common theme in the scriptures choosing for, all the way from Abel over Cain. Yeah. You know, he chooses the younger, Yeah, you know, Joseph over Judah, and, and Joseph over Reuben rather. And then Judah over Reuben. Yeah. Who would have been the, you know, the firstborn in all of this. So, wow. Yeah. There's a lot.
0: Well, th- I mean, it, it, thanks. I mean, thanks for joining me and, and talking through this. It's It's, I think it's, I'm walking away remembering and thinking about how important and strategic the Jezreel Valley is for understanding. I think Jesus's upbringing and what he's constantly witnessing or perhaps remembering as he himself is studying scripture or hearing it taught to him. And he's walking away from the Jezreel and the Nazareth region with perhaps a sense of calling or, or knowing he's been, Right. He's been ordained to be the Mashiach, right, right, the anointed right, one. Right. And part of what that that fits with, I think, the developing overall second temple mindset right. of what that Mashiach should look like. Right. You know, the standard texts will talk about, you know, prophet, king, priest. For sure, we're seeing the prophet and the king here loudly. And it's giving Jesus a bit of uh right. perhaps a a a a foundation of how he can be growing up and things he can be an aspiring to. So I like, I'll go do it. Yeah. I want to be like Mike, you know, the Michael yeah. Jordan commercials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus is looking at Elisha and saying, well, I'll, I'll do what Elisha does. In fact, I'll do
2: one. I'll do one better. I'll do one better. Yeah, or, I'll do one yeah, better. better than Mike. Better yeah. than Mike. Yeah. As a Bulls fan, I understand that. You understand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, you know, at, at least we can say as he grows in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man that in front of him, the world presented an awful lot of options of what he could have done and could have been and it's worth knowing what those options were to know to strengthen what he did do mm. what he did do that's good yeah yeah that's it's good. worth it's worth thinking about what could he have done actually given yeah. the, given the real options what did he do and then how does that strengthen the call that he has in our lives to do things as well. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So what did Jesus choose to do and how does that help us choose to do things today as well?
0: What I find so, you know, we, we, we can easily get mired into the data and the details and it's important. The data and the details are very important. But what I love about what you've just done for us is elaborate a little bit of some of those details in a cursory manner and then also allowed us to think theologically about those details because there's the building blocks, I think, yeah. for helping us understand the scriptures and, and doing theology is important. It's not necessarily the primary yeah. focus of what we're doing, but I think a well-rounded right. a well-rounded uh, biblical scholar is able to work with that primary data points and then build exactly some theological uh, views and sandwich exactly. points. So I, I appreciate that. That's helpful. For those of you who are listening that uh, want to learn more from Dr. Wright, uh, he is, is now uh, re- retired, but he does teach some courses for us still, both online as well as in, in residence. And he's also written his book, The uh, Holman Illustrated Guide to Biblical Geography. And that is a kind of like a magnum opus for you, where you have uh, spent 24 years, uh, it's more than that, 26, 27 years of living here. Uh, all the photographs are yours. Uh, the insight is unparalleled. And it really uh, takes you deep into the current issues happening in the field of historical geography, as well as gives you excellent overviews of each of the regions here and how they interlink with one another, as well as the larger uh, international geopolitical scene of the ancient Near East. So I don't know, Paul, if you want to say anything more about that. I mean, it's did you like writing
2: it? It took a lot of time. It took a lot of thought. It wasn't hard because it's what we do. Yeah. It was drawing on, on real life experiences and, and awarenesses as they develop that we have. You know, you read a lot. You talk to a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then things start to come together.
0: Yeah. You can so find it, You good. can find that book on Holman's website.
2: You can. And
0: yeah. probably can. on Amazon as well. But yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Hopefully it's
0: not in any resale shops yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It's too good. Not yet. It won't, won't be. Yeah. No, it's good. I've, I've referenced it quite a bit. It's been a helpful text for me. Um, You also have another book, I think, that is worth uh, mentioning, because I know many of our students this time around uh, cherished it. But it's uh, the title I might be butchering here. You want to tell us what the title Heart is? Heart of the
2: Holy Land, Heart 40 Holy Reflections Land. on Scripture in Place. And this one is by Rose Publishing. Yeah. Um, and it, it uh, takes the, the essays are maybe maybe a 1, thousand, twelve hundred words. They're not long. Uh, everyone has some pictures with it as well. And uh, they're, they're key to place and. Most of them Bible event, unpacking some of what we did, but on more of a, of a, I won't say introductory, but more of a devotional teaching level. And it's designed to be read for people who visit the land.
0: I think it's, I think it's great. You're, you're a good writer and I, I appreciate those, those essays. I find them uh, quite reflective and I find them quite meaningful. And I think if you enjoyed kind of the journey Paul has just led us through, Today, uh, you would really like the Heart of the Holy Land uh, book, which is also new, right? You just published this in 2020. Both the thing
2: came out in in October of 2020, yeah. just just pre COVID. Yeah. Uh, the October yeah. before COVID <laughs> hit, <laughs> whatever year that was. I don't you see how point. it messes with our minds. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a blur. Yeah. COVID kind of creates a blur. It's a blur, but that October just before. Yes. Check
0: those books out. You will not be disappointed. And if you would like to learn more about uh, Jerusalem University College, which both Paul and I um, have grown to love over the years. Uh, please check our website out, www.juc.edu. And uh, we, uh, we'd be happy to, to answer any questions for you if you'd like to study in a short-term course or a long-term course. You've been listening to the Biblical World podcast uh, offered through OnScript. We hope you've enjoyed this episode with Dr. Paul Wright about Jesus's backyard, the Jezreel. You've been listening to OnScript's Biblical World podcast. If you enjoy this show, please show your support by giving us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can support the show by visiting onscript.study/donate. Until next time, keep digging.